John chapter 12, starting in verse 27 here. Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. These two verses alone are, are going to be a, 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 a large portion of our message here today. Jesus speaking says, now my soul is troubled. He's speaking of this time. Last week we heard him say, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He was, he was speaking that the... I know you guys love it when I... To him, I know it. I know it. You do. Be honest. But it's the countdown to him going to the cross to die. And there's the irony that Jesus begins to unpack. Again, this upside down kingdom. He's going to be glorified. This word glory means to be made great. To be brought great honor. But the way that he's going to be glorified is humiliation on the cross. Naked. Displayed for everyone as a criminal. Being executed publicly. And it means that, that, that everyone would be shunned if you're associated with. This is the hour, he says, is the time for me to be glorified. We unpack the values that he, he, he teaches there. Of the, the, this, this, again, this, this upside down kingdom. And now he says, my soul is troubled. This word, my soul is troubled, is, is this sense of, of agony. Of, of, of deep pain and, and suffering, annoying at his soul. And, and, and the verb here, the verb tense here is what we call the perfect tense. I don't care. I don't, you're not going to remember that. But what you need to remember is that he, what he's saying here is that this was a past thing. My heart has been troubled. It started a long time ago and it's continuing right now to today. It is not something that just started in this moment. It has been ongoing and there's this gnawing at my soul of this trouble, this agony. If you've struggled with mental health, you know what I'm talking about. Because it just gnaws at you and, you, and, it, can't, and it doesn't go away. It just eats at your, your heart and your mind and, you, and, and, and the struggle. If you have gone through severe loss, great loss and grief, you know what I'm talking about. As it gnaws at your heart. If you have gone through trauma, you know what I'm talking about. Where it's ongoing and and, and you just want relief and you don't know when it's going to come and you're just hoping for light in that dark place. And Jesus, this was ever since he's been on the earth, it was agony and just just pain in his soul because why? He's headed to hell for you and me. He wasn't merely going to be whipped and have his flesh torn off his body and be crucified and suffer that agony. That wasn't just what the suffering Jesus was anticipating. It was God's justice for every human being taken upon himself on the cross in hell for everyone. His soul is in agony anticipating This for you and me. My soul is troubled. What great trouble. For you and me. And so he says, what shall I say? 
Father, save me from this hour. Because everything inside of him, the sense of, of, of flesh, Jesus became fully human. And he was fully God, this profound mystery. But it was so necessary for him to become fully human in order to take our place and satisfy God's justice, to take our place of our sin. So in becoming fully human, Jesus could be tempted. He had a, 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 all of the faculties of the human body and the human body wanting to seek self preservation and 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 that was an instinctive thing john captures this here matthew and mark captured jesus praying in the god in the garden sweating blood and praying to god father if it take this cup from me but not my will your will be done jesus undergoing, experiencing the temptation for self-preservation that we all do in this world, in this life as human beings. The difference is we give in to it. We, we, we satisfy that temptation to, to preserve yourself, preserve your comfort, preserve uh, the ease of life, preserve what you want, the cravings of your flesh and your soul. But Jesus, Jesus, What does he do? He turns to the father and he says, instead of Lord, take me out of this. I don't want it hurts too much. It's too much. He says, father, glorify your name. This little prayer is so profound. It's this prayer that friends that 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 is should be our prayer. As we walk the road of Jesus. Father. Glorify your name. Though I will. Am about to go through hell. And the worst suffering. Imaginable. Father glorify your name. Don't take me from this. Glorify yourself in this. In the midst of our temptations that we face and the sufferings of this life, we're oftentimes praying, Lord, take it away. In the midst of things that we don't want or things that we want, we'd rather pray, Lord, give it to me, the thing that I want. Satisfy my desire. Lord, take away the thing I don't want. Instead of praying, Lord, glorify your name. Whatever may come, whatever the end will be, Your will be done. Your way, oh God, not my way. Glorify yourself. Be lifted up in how I respond in this conflict. Be lifted up in how I respond in in, in this relationship, this marriage that's just one-sided and there's so much hurt and pain. Be glorified in me, Jesus, in this loss, in this suffering that's wrong and unjust. Be glorified, Jesus, in my desires, that I want to fulfill the lust for, for pornography, for, for to, to, to gossip about that person who's hurt me, to nurture that bitterness of that person who's harmed me. Instead of that, Jesus models, Father, glorify your name in this. Jesus. As he faced 
the, the greatest temptation and all temptations like we do give us a profound promise and power that you and I need. The book of Hebrews captures this. Check this out. Hebrews 2 says this, For this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, human beings, us, in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus became fully became a human being to endure and experience the temptations that we face and suffer and go through everyone and say yes to the Father. Yes, Jesus, God. Yes, your way, not mine. Why? So he can help us in that. Later, Hebrews 4 says this, For we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you and I face temptation, of whatever kind it may be, no matter how devious and dark or light we may think it is, Jesus isn't, God isn't looking down and saying, oh, how dirty my son and daughter is. Oh, I, I, I can't be near that. He's saying, no, come to me. I stepped in your shoes and I've gone through it all. I, I know what you're going through, the, the temptations, the struggles, the thoughts, the urges. I've been there. Come you fell, you gave in to sin, come to me. He doesn't reject you. He says, come, come to the throne of grace. I have power for you. I have my love for you. My love will not stop for you. Come. I will enable you. I will empower you to pray with me. Father, glorify your name. In my suffering, in my darkness, in my bitterness, in my temptation, I will give power. You may not feel it, but you can act on it. I've given you the ability. I will, I will give you my victory. He went through it all. To give you and I his power to come in you and me. Are you experiencing that now? Are you experiencing Christ in you? That power, that desire to say, Lord, I don't want to lift myself. I don't want to just be casual and just kind of, you know, play around with these temptations and these sins. And it's like that lust. And I just, you know, it's just a glance. Jesus, no big deal. Or, oh, you know, God, it was just a little bit of gossip. Or, you know what? They deserve my me to nurse this grudge anyways. And we don't need to be casual with our sin. Because if we ain't killing sin, it's going to be killing you. We can be holy like he is holy. We lack the desire. We lack the aim. We want some of Jesus. We don't want all of Jesus. We want God kind of be glorified in me. Not really be glorified. But what if? 
we say, Jesus, have it all. Jesus, live in me. Jesus, I want more. I want your peace. I want your joy. I want your, your, your life in the face of death. Live in me, Jesus. Come, friends, this morning and pray with Jesus. Father, glorify your name. This isn't just a moment. This is a lifestyle. This is the difference in the upside-down kingdom. As the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. For those of you who, who aren't familiar with this TV series called The Mandalorian, it's this group and they have this creed that they, that, that they keep to. And this creed has certain principles and values, like you don't remove your helmet, like you stay together, you sacrifice yourselves for each other. And, and when, they, when these, these creeds are re- recited to each other, they say, this is the way. For followers of Jesus, the glory, living for the glory of the Father is the way. This is the way. Now Jesus goes on here. A voice from heaven comes. We're in verse 28, the second half. A voice from heaven comes it says i have glorified it and i will glorify it again the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it thundered others said an angel has spoken to him jesus answered this voice has come for your sake not mine now is the judgment of the world now will the ruler of the world be cast out and i when i am lifted from the earth will draw all people to myself He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law and the Christ remains forever. How can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. What's happening here in this passage? What's going on here? Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name. And all of a sudden, a sound from heaven rattles and rumbles. And it's God's voice saying, I have glorified it. And I will. God, what God's doing here is he's validating, legitimizing Jesus. God is lifting him up and showing this, my approval is on this one. You need to pay attention. He is mine. His voice is mine. His appearance and revelation is mine. What you see in him is me. God is validating Jesus for the crowd. As Jesus explains, this voice was not for me. It was for you. To authenticate Jesus for them. And Jesus goes on to explain. Because what's going to happen. What Jesus is going to do. Is he's going to die on the cross. This is again so countercultural that that, 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 that that it would cause people to, to think. It's got to be the opposite. No, 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 no Messiah. No king would be so shamed on a cross. No way. And they're confused by this. They're wondering, well, hold on, the Christ who's supposed to remain forever, he can't be lifted up. What they're thinking about the language of being lifted up is, is this kind of death resurrection kind of language. 
They're wondering like, well, he's going to be taken up to heaven. Jesus is playing on terms here as he does this. And John captures it. There's these double meanings. When he's talking about being lifted up, the word lifted up here, as it's translated here, is exalted. All right? When you exalt somebody, this is something you do to like royalty, you, to, to, to like celebrities. You roll out the red carpet. You exalt them. You, 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 you put a special uh, setting around the table. And, and you do really, really special, honorable things that you wouldn't do for anybody else. You bow before them. When you exalt someone, great honor. But Jesus is saying, using the, the, the imagery of the cross, because you physically are lifted up on the cross. And he's saying, that's my glory. That's where I show my greatness in being humiliated for you. And even more than that, in taking hell for you. Something important to notice here. When Jesus prayed to the Father, he didn't say, Father, remind me of how much we love these broken, sinful people. Father, remind me why we care about these people. His focus had nothing to do with you and me. His focus was the Father. Father, be glorified. This is such an important truth that we have to understand. The glory of God, the honor of God, living for God. This is what we were made for. This is what God created us as human beings. Is this loving relationship with the Father. Live in honor with, with, with Him. And His glory means our good. When we live in that space for His glory. When He is accomplishing His glory. It's our good. Because He is the definition of good. He is the definition of love. His glory isn't in somehow in conflict with what's good for you. It's always good for you and me. Because it is his glory that he loves us. That he loved you. You individually and personally. It was his glory to be humiliated. To show this. For the whole world, this is how he shows who he truly is as God through Jesus himself. And so Jesus explains, when I'm lifted on the cross, everyone will be drawn to me. He's not saying everyone's going to be saved. Friends, this is an important truth that Jesus gets at in this passage. No, everyone will not be saved. You see, you have to understand that he on the cross is God. He on the cross is for your sin and it needs to be paid for. You need to be free from it. And you need to submit and surrender to him as king. His death isn't salvation for everyone, only those who come. He died for everyone, but not everyone. If you don't... If, you, if I write you a check and you don't cash that check, it ain't in your bank, y'all. You got to come. 
Have you come? You still relying on yourself? You still trying to be good enough? You still trying to live for yourself? A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of myself? Have you come? Only those who come to the humiliated Jesus and receive him to be king are those who will be saved. You see, what Jesus means by everyone will be drawn to me, he's saying later, Paul captures this, he says, every knee will bow. You will bow at some point. Every knee will bow. You see, Jesus is coming back. We, we have so much evidence, and we're going to see even here with all the evidence that, that Jesus gives us of his existence and his divinity, we have all the evidence that we need. We still choose not to believe. We still choose our way over his way. He is coming back. He's coming back. And when he comes back, it'll be a glorious day. Amen? For some, for those who have not received, for those who have not trusted him, friends, it will be a day of the beginning of hell. Every knee will bow. You can bow now or you will bow then. passage goes on when jesus had said these things he departed and hidden himself from them though he had done so many signs before them they still did not believe him so that the word spoken by the prophet isaiah would be fulfilled lord who has believed what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his, Jesus' glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities believed in him, but for fear. The Pharisees, they did not confess it. So they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. What John goes in to explain here, with all the evidence, with all of the evidence that verifies the resurrection of Jesus, that verifies the historicity of Jesus, he was a real person who came in time and space. And all the, the, the sources outside of Scripture even, the, the statistics of, of the fulfillment of these prophecies of hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus', Jesus is coming, all, all these different forms of evidence that we have of the truth of who Jesus is, even today, just like them, with all the evidence they didn't believe. How is it? How is it that we can have so much evidence and not believe? Because our hearts are naturally hardened. Instinctively, we have what's called a sinful nature, a self-centered nature in us. We're born with it. It's part of every human being. And it's this instinctiveness of I live for me. I want to be king. Or, and so Jesus, 
There's this defense mechanism in us of like Jesus is a threat. Or I can like Jesus, but I don't have to live for Jesus. I mean, he's an awesome guy, but I'm going to do my own thing. We have this defensive system within us that naturally deflects trusting in Jesus. Paul explains this. I'm going to this next slide there. If our gospel, the good news about Jesus, is veiled, why, why, why don't people believe it's veiled to those who are perishing? In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let's go to the next slide. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, that's the Bible, that's the Old Testament, a veil, blinders, lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil's removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And finally, John, capturing all these truths, says this earlier in the book of John. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up. In these verses, you hear this fundamental truth that we are all darkened. We're all like got this self-centered defense mechanism. We're not going to see Jesus. We're not going to believe in him. We need something to happen inside of us. We need to be awakened. We need the spirit of God to start something so we can see and believe. So the eyes of our hearts are open and we can believe and trust in Jesus. God's got to intervene. We call this, for you who like to geek out on this stuff, is prevenient grace. The darkness of our soul is, is considered total depravity. That we cannot choose, we won't choose God. And we need prevenient grace. We need this, this mediating, this intervention of the Holy Spirit to start something. Because we're dead. And we need to be awakened. We need the ability to believe and surrender. We keep trying on our own to do it our way. The Spirit of the Lord is working, friends. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's working to open your hearts, to open your eyes. When He w- awakens you, you've got a choice to make. And some of you are right there. The Spirit has opened your heart. You know you can see, and you're struggling with that choice. But friends, you may harden your heart again because of your own sinfulness. You need to surrender when you have a chance. You can't say, oh, you know what, later. I'm going to live my life now, and then, you know, later on, you know, when I'm kind of older and I got nothing else to live for, then I'm going to choose you, Jesus. What you're doing is you're trusting yourself. Again, you want control. You don't want the king to control. You want control. You don't want to be liberated. You just want permission to have your way. There's a movie called The Awakening with Robin Williams in it. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a fascinating movie. It's based on a real-life situation where in this, this ward where these patients were all catatonic. And, and, and so they couldn't move. They were stuck in a position. And, and, and there was an experimental kind of therapy or, or, or drug that was used. And all of these patients are awakened. They, they come back to, to, to functioning and they, and, they, and they get out of their chairs. And, and for a brief while, they're alive. They can live. But then they, at the end, go back to their frozen state. 
You don't know what this window of time is. When the Spirit is working in you, if He is working, friends, come. Come while He is working. While your hearts are open. While your heart is soft to the Lord. Come and surrender to Him. The, 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 the Scriptures address also those who, who, are, who are not blinded so, so much. They see Jesus. They say they believe but they, but they don't truly. Did you see what they said about them? They, they had fear in their hearts because they loved the glory of people more than the glory of God. And you might be in that space here today. It is costly to follow Jesus. It's not enough to intellectually say, it's not enough to acknowledge you are king, you are God. You've got to surrender. That surrender includes like walking in the way of Jesus of dying to yourself. One of the greatest ways we die to ourselves is that we, we stand for Jesus among our friends, coworkers. There's going to be a time for each of us where we follow Christ either in our, in our, in our ethics, in our behavior, in, in sharing Christ with others. When it comes to time where you're going to be called to action, where your friends are going to go one way and you know Jesus goes the other and you're going to come to account. Are you following the world? Do you want the praise and approval of others? Or are you going to follow the way of Jesus? The way of Jesus is a dying to ourselves, dying to this world. There's going to be a rejection at some point. Maybe it's going to be from your family. This doesn't mean we go out in the street corner and you, you start yelling and screaming. You know, you're not looking for rejection, but it's going to come. Am I going to give in to this temptation? Am I going to give in to going with the crowd or am I going to follow Christ? You see, those who I, I, assent intellectually, I, be, I agree, I believe, but you don't sacrifice, you don't live it out. You don't believe. You're not a child of the king. He says earlier, unless you lose your life, if you seek to preserve it, you're going to lose it. But those who lose their, themselves in this life will preserve it. There was a 14-year-old girl not too long ago. Her name is Leah Sherabu in Nigeria. Uh, any of you remember Boko Haram? Uh, 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 the, the, the terrorist group in Nigeria. You probably heard uh, in some of the, if you watch some of the world news, uh, uh, one of these uh, Muslim uh, um, extremist groups in Nigeria was attacking particularly Christians in Nigeria. And they took one school, they kidnapped like 130 something kids. And, and Leah was one of those girls. And part of, part of their capture and part of their efforts as, as uh, Islamist extremists were, were, were forcing them to renounce Jesus Christ. Leah was one of few who said, I will not deny my Savior. I will not deny my Savior. 14 years old. You who are students in the house here, 14 years old, and she was called to action Will she lay her life down with Christ? Four years later now, we don't know if, if, if Leah is, is dead or alive. There's reports that she's still alive. Likely being tortured in the custody, 
And you can think of the possibilities of a variety of different things that could be happening to her in order to break her and destroy her. But she stood. She, her faithfulness was like gasoline to the gospel in Nigeria, inflaming the hearts of believers to stand for Christ, to not back down. Our costs of living for Christ here in America are so small. If we believe we will walk the way of the cross, we will die with Jesus. We will die to ourselves. That may look a lot of different ways. It starts with the temptations just to live for ourselves. How are we going to navigate and walk through suffering How do we handle the temptations of the crowd around us and the way that they go, whether it's the, the cultural values and the beliefs and, the, and, 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 and just indulgence and excess? Will we die to ourselves with Jesus? Will we pray like Jesus, Father, glorify your name? It's not about me. It's not about me. Jesus concludes here. Verse 44, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me, did not receive my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me, he has himself given me a commandment. What to say, what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me. Jesus just begins to put the stamp here and legitimizes what I have just told you, what I'm sharing with you, what I've showed you in my life is authenticated by God himself. For the Jews, this was such a huge thing. How do we know that you are a Messiah? How can we trust you? We have one God. It's that one God, the one father, Yahweh. He's the one who authenticates, who legitimizes the son of man, the Messiah, the king to come, the savior of the world. Only God, the father, only Yahweh. And Jesus is saying, if you see me, you've seen Yahweh. You've seen God. If you believe me, you're trusting in the Father. You will be saved. For us, we have a choice. What are you doing with Jesus? He's inviting you to come and be restored to that purpose you were made for. The glory of the Father. There's more that God wants to do in you. Think of the little of how we start our days of, Lord, just help me survive. But what, what if we play, Lord, glorify your name today? Not my way. 
Not praying for things to go a certain way. Not necessarily praying for... Now, God, don't get me wrong, friends. The, the, the Father loves you. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your desires. But in the end, do we pray? After we prayed, Lord, provide for us. Lord, heal. Lord, 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 touch this person. Lord, save this person. Lord, glorify your name in me. That, that's, that's where we end. That's where we begin. At some level, for all of us, that's where life is. Glorify your name in me. Live in me, Jesus. As the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. There's a song, an old school song here. I want to invite us to end and sing through. And the worship team is going to lead us out as well. I'll go ahead and invite the worship team to go through. But I just want to, I think singing through this song is is meaningful the lyrics are very simple i'm going to change them up as we go here in my life lord be glorified be glorified in my life lord be glorified today and i want to invite you to make this your prayer christ come in me christ change me christ live through me be glorified as you're able, maybe you need to just go to the Lord in prayer and surrender, opening your hands to the Father. You're welcome to sing with me as we sing along here. Or just pray along. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today in my home in my home lord be glorified be glorified in my home lord be glorified today in this church in this church, Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In this church, Lord, be glorified today.